so the other night, I get home and I wanted to write. Picked up my laptop, sat down, and then Reba puked all over the place. Um, I think she ate some like shit off the floor, obviously. I wasn't going through it, but she's a puppy. So she eats everything on the ground and usually comes out either out of her mouth or her ass. This time it was out of her mouth. So the writing kind of got put on pause. And as I'm cleaning up my dog's vomit, I'm on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter and I see Doug Stanhope, a comedian I'm a fan of and then I follow. And he had just posted, he was like, I forget, I I posted on the Instagram, I'll post it again. But it was kind of like, you know, whoever sees this, post a Zoom link right now and I'll come on your podcast. <clears throat> so as I'm cleaning up Reba's puke, I set up a Zoom link on my phone and I sent him the Twitter link and or the Zoom link on Twitter. And 30 seconds later, <laughs> after like 13 other strangers are in the waiting room on the Zoom, Doug Stanhope's name pops in. And I'm like, holy shit. And I press admit. <laughs> His face comes on, and I realize in that moment, like, you got to turn on. And within 30 seconds, I started a podcast with uh, one of the most, you know, like, at least among comedians, one of the most legendary, you know, greatest contemporary comedians we have. And he was a guy, I had it, again, I posted on the Instagram and I'll post it again after this episode. <clears throat> I had a ticket to see him at Cobb's Comedy Club. Literally the day the San Francisco first shut down. It was like March, whatever, the middle of March. Um, and so he pumps on the fucking, pump and we do an hour. Um, go If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. And I, you know, I'm a stand-up comedy fanatic so I have the knowledge to talk comedy and I think he was stoked on that but really what I realized during that whole time was you know I've now at this point you know we've released 25 26 episodes I have like 20 plus more recorded um I kind of know how to do this now at least in the way I want to do it which is the you know again like a running theme on here. It's you know a lot of the people the guests talk about it. You know, doing what you, you know, doing you, doing what you want to do. And when Doug came on, I had that ability to turn on to become like the podcast guy, and I, he, I think he was impressed. You know, he retweeted it. Um, you know, he tweeted immediately after the podcast, you know, that he had fun, whatever, whatever. Um, but it was kind of, I still don't know what it was. I'm still kind of trying to, uh, unfold it. It was amazing. It was awesome, but it was also really reassuring. And it was, it boosted my confidence beyond belief because again, I want to now talk, be able to talk to anybody on this podcast. And the fact that I did an hour with him was fucking dope. And he was laughing. He was busting my balls. And yeah, and it's just something to be stoked on. Um, You know, it's kind of like the thing with luck, you know. 
opportunity, meeting preparation, you know, being at the right time, right place, all that shit. It kind of just everything linked up in that moment. And yeah, and I just I wanted to share that little the story of how it happened for the people who listened to the episode because I don't think yeah we didn't really talk about it, um, but yeah, good shit. Anyways, check it out. Check out all the other episodes. Check us out on Instagram at Writing Friction, and check it out on Twitter where this all happened <laughs> um, at Friction Writing. And yeah, thanks for sticking around. Thanks for telling people, and thanks for uh, making this all continue to happen. Uh, yeah, until next time. Peace. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Writing Friction. And as always, today's guest is pretty cool and also from New Jersey. Hello, Joan. How are you doing? Okay, I'm fine. How are you? Not too bad, but you are not in New Jersey right now, right? You say you're in New York City at the moment. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And what's going on Um, there? (laughs) I live on the Lower East Side. I've, I've lived in New York my whole adult life, and I lived on the Lower East Side for 13 years. And when I first moved in, I went to buy stuff from a local guy and he asked, you know, was I, how had I lived here forever? And where was I from originally? And I said, New Jersey. And he said, <laughs> heard of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, I yeah. always think that, yes, they've heard of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you start writing in New Jersey? I mean, when did you start writing? I, I always wrote. I was really a kid who was always, I mean, I wanted to be a movie star. You know, I had other aspirations, but I always wrote. I wrote stories for school. I wrote poems on my own when I was older. Um, I went to Sarah Lawrence uh, as an undergrad, um, and they. it was unusual for, un, for undergraduate programs to offer writing then, and that was one of the attractions. Mm. But I wrote poetry most of the time I was in school. So did you start writing poetry before you got into any for- longer forms of fiction? Um, I probably wrote both as a, as a younger kid. But yes, as, a, as an older writer, I was, I was definitely trying to write poetry first. And the world is saved from some really bad poetry. Man, that- I, I wish that was the case for a lot of poetry out there. Um, well, that, that's funny. Um, but w- growing up, I mean, what were you reading as a child? I'm assuming you were probably a big reader. Um, I, was, I was a fanatic reader. My yeah. mother used to say, you know, the house could burn down and you have your nose in a book. Um, I love Louisa May Alcott. Um, there were lots of what we now call tag sales then where you could buy used books. So I had a very full collection of everything by her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she was probably my favorite author as a kid. And then I would take up, when I was really little, there were the childhood of famous American stories where you'd read about Abigail Adams and people like that. And I loved those. Um, so, I, you know, I, I was always gobbling up whatever I could read. Yeah, no, most definitely. I mean, you know, we're talking in the year tw- almost 2021 now, right? And yeah. um, it's, you know, uh, with technology the way it is and how fast it's entered our lives, I look at people and I feel like walking around the streets of San Francisco, maybe it's just me, but I feel like I'm seeing people reading books more and more now. Like it's almost become a new art form in a way because it's been such, it's been in our, books have been in our lives for so long. And then 
technology, you know, people read on phones, they read on screens, they do all these kinds of things. But just walking around, I feel like I'm seeing all the time now people walking in the street with books in their hands. Um, or do you see that around New York? I mean, that, that people are kind of like conquering down. I mean, you, I feel like it's coming back into public well, consciousness. When you're on the subway, which I still am, um, everybody's reading. They might yeah. be reading on their devices. They may, might not actually be a physical book, but they're definitely reading text. They're not just reading their mail. Yeah. Um, I love that. And apparently, you know, sales are actually up in, in all forms. I don't really care, you know, what platform people read on. You know, yeah. uh, it, it can be a physical book or it can, I read a lot on my, on my Kindle. Do you really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, it's easier on my eyes. No, and for sure. Yeah, and I love it that it's instant too. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I think I'll read this. Here it is, you know. Um, but I, I think people are are actually reading more, and of course, I love that. Mm -hmm. um, so to kind of go back to the beginning and kind of bring us to you know where you are right now. We were in Sarah Lawrence. You said you were writing poetry at that time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. When did you? When was that first idea of like, boom? I want to create something longer was it a short story was it a novel idea and how what was that process like that first time you really tried to do it um the first sort of was, short it, a, was it a failure <laughs> <laughs> well there were probably a lot of failures we don't yeah. talk about them but my teacher uh, my senior year was grace paley who was a wonderful um short story writer and she but everybody you know it was looser then everybody taught everything she taught poetry sure and but because of her tutelage, I tried a short story, and I loved it. Um, and it eventually got published in a literary magazine, which was, of course, deeply thrilling to me. Mm -hmm. So that was probably the beginning, even though I went back and forth for a while. Mm -hmm. and so that first short story, it gets published. You said, "What are you feeling then?" I mean, when you graduate college, what's your plan for your life? Are you trying to be a writer? Did you want to be a cook? You know, what was the idea? Um, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a poet still. Um, I went to work in publishing and I, I didn't like working in an office nine to five. I was, you know, I was just like a copy. Editor. Like a major publisher or just a. Uh, uh, Reinhard Winston, as uh -huh. it was called. Now it's just Holt. Um, and um, I um, quit that job in the spring and became a waitress. I worked at Max's Kansas City, which was a big I, I gathering spot. Never right. saw a show there, but it's I'm well aware of it. Yeah. So it was, it was of course, great. You know, I got to sort of wander around, you know, That's, work you, there. You, you worked there? Who did you see play there? I didn't. They, weren't, they didn't even have... I worked there so long ago, they didn't have a, a, a discotheque. Then. Oh, they, okay. They had a, they had a discotheque that was not live music. The Got live music it. Okay. started like a year later. Most definitely. Um, uh, and you could be fired for dancing in the discotheque if you were waitressing. You know, you had to like be careful when the boss, Mickey, was around. Yeah. Um, so, but I did, I worked there briefly and then I worked at other bars that were part of that same circuit. And I did that for three and a half years. And it was really, you know, my education in, in, in lots of ways. There was mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff going on. It was the late 60s, early 70s. Man. Um, yeah. um, and then, uh, you know, and then I, I probably settled into writing after that. Um, when I was in my mid 20s, my mother died. Um, not suddenly, she'd been ill for a while. And I, I sort of wanted to write about her life. And that became my first book. Um, and I worked on that, you know, through my late 20s and early 30s. And, what was the name of your first book? Household Words. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I look at it now, and of course, it's not what I would write now, but I, but I meant it. You know, it was a very, um, and, and it has me in it. You know, it's definitely, I, I, I still sort of, you know, own it. Um, and then, and that was the beginning. I mean, mm -hmm. 
with my life as a writer. Well, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, you're talking to someone who's in their early 30s right now and just wrote their first, I wrote a novella. And yes. um, you say you wouldn't write that now. Uh, do you look back at that writing as not bad writing, but is it it's just something you wouldn't write about now? Or what do you mean by that? Well, that's interesting. I'm not entirely sure what I mean. Um, it's more, it's very intensely in the point of view of the character who is the mother with whom I was often at odds in real life. So that was, that was a stretch I wanted to make. I didn't want to write the daughter's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I already knew that. I wanted to do something I didn't know. So that has, that has remained consistent in a way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going, trying to go outside myself in what I write. Um, but, um, and the sentences aren't bad. I had, because of being sort of trained as a poet, I had some sense of being careful and wanting to want, but it, you know, it, 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 it's slower than what I would write now. It's more enclosed. Um, now I'm always trying to move into different worlds, and that's very much in its in its one narrow um, suburban New Jersey uh, uh, world. Um, so, uh, and but I think that's natural to feel that it would be it would be odd to think, oh, I write the same as I did 40 years ago. Um, you know, yeah, that, that would be peculiar. I think with any art form, I think if you talk to Paul Simon, he would be like, you know, the si- the songs I wrote in Simon and Garfunkel are, are garbage. You know, yes, listen, listen yeah, to Graceland. Yeah. That's who I am as an artist. Um, yeah. But it's hard, you know, as, as fans of, you know, me, I'm a fan of, an, you know, all art. It's it's interesting to hear people say that. And, you know, I think about, you know, I wrote a, a boxing novella set in Jersey City. And, uh, you know. I was able to write about that because I'm from that part of New Jersey. I haven't lived there for 10 years, but it, it will always be part of my identity and something I can always kind of go back to. But I'm, yeah, I, I think, what will I think about that 20, 30 years from now? Um, but let's go back to you more about that first book. You've, how long did it take to write? Were you, did you actively want to get it published? Were you already kind of in the know? How did it get out to the world, that first book? Um, it took... Oh, at least five years yeah. to write, um, maybe more. Um, and um, I did have I did have friends who were already publishing, so I, of course, bothered them for you know, give me a name of your agent, blah blah blah. Um, and um, I, I think I still no, I threw out the rejection letters finally when I moved. But I had you know a whole series of you know we admire your talent, but nobody would want to read this. This letter. would be great for another agent. <laughs> right, that's right. I have, I have like seventy. I got seventy three of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know, we know the, the the sort of tactful rejection. Um, and then um, w- when I got an agent, she sold it right away. Um, okay. So um, I I don't remember exactly how it seemed very long to me. I don't think it was that long. I think it was less than a year. Um, and then um, although it. It, it didn't have huge sales. It won the Hemingway Award, which is mm-hmm. a great, you know, first first novel award. So, and then I had a lot of trouble selling the second book. Well, real quick, was that totally unexpected, that award? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It wasn't. I, awards are generally totally unexpected. You That's what I'm learning. Yeah, that's what authors are telling me. Like, uh, I was talking to, uh, I think it was Christine Scott, and she yeah. said she got a, f- a phone call during a class she was teaching. And her friend was like, oh, you just, you know, the Pulitzer Prize just called. And, and you know, she yes. was like, what? <laughs> yes. Yeah, she was yeah. one of the, the finalists for that. Yeah. Um, I actually know, I can, I can sort of do a bypass here if you don't mind. I know Christine because um, 
uh, in 04, they did something they have never done before since, which is the National Book Award nominated five women for the prize, right? What a scandal, right? So, um, and none of us were super famous or were, you know, expected. So, the as we were weathering these, um, who the hell are these? these people kind of attacks we began um, at that point we all lived in new york we don't general now but we became friends and we are still friends uh, um i just got a um a thanksgiving letter from um kate walbert who was writing to all of us and we all kind of waved in um so that's and we always go to each other's readings um yeah. so that that's been great that was Christine that was actually wonderful. talked about that she didn't mention names specifically but she said at that time when i think she was part she was part of that right yes yeah, she had yes, mentioned. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, she had mentioned yeah. that um, how there were it was all women and it was scandal. Like so, they were writing articles about it. and It was a big deal. Yeah, the time. yeah, um, yeah. Now you look at twenty twenty and five women be the ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Lily Tuck was the winner, and she was also very kind to all of us and and made sure that we uh, we all got to be on what was then a big deal, the Charlie Rose Show. Oh, for um, sure. With her. Um, and so it was. That was a great experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. then, so then the first book goes. You said. Uh, the second book there was issue with the second book second book took a lot it took me a long time to write it it took a long time to um to get it published the reviews were um i would say people were underwhelmed they, they nobody hated it um but it was kind of like ah what is this um and then there was a 13 year period between the second and third book when i could not get anything any book published hold I on got, wait, let, let, let's get there because there's a couple of things okay or, what are you doing what are you doing doing during that time are you teaching as well or there- I, I had just started teaching um or maybe a little before then i had started teaching mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. i actually had a legitimate job and i was teaching at sarah lawrence where i went went to school um and i was teaching at, in the warren wilson mfa program which is a um you know an online program in its own way um Although then we did it by letters through the mail. Um, so I had work, you know, and it was in some ways it was painful because I had work as a writer, but I couldn't get, you know, actually published as a writer. Um, anyway, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you weren't sitting in a cabin in the woods in Vermont for two years writing a novel with no. nothing going on. Okay. That, I'm, I just... I'm very urban. You know, <laughs> I, uh-huh. I, I like to go to the country in the summer and I, I can hike and stuff, but, but I'm really a city person. Well, you can hop in your car and drive right away. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't drive. I'm such a city person. I don't drive. And there so. it is. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I only drive because I, I mean, I support myself. I own a dog walking business in San Francisco uh-huh. and I have a dog van so that's my car so i'm you know but you drive over the golden gate bridge and i mean it's just some of the best country yeah uh, in, in my opinion yeah. um all right so you get that second book out i mean you said there was disappointment i mean were there people was there a lot of expectation was there outside pressure i mean or was it more internal i mean did you think it not lived up to what you wanted to write and why you know why so down on that second book um i don't know exactly a taste change um, it took place in the 1920s, and the other book had been very much, you know, of a, um, you know, starting in an earlier era and coming up to the contemporary era. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's my strongest book, frankly. Um, uh, I haven't read it in a while. I know some yeah. people like it, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, in any case, I don't know. I don't know why it, um, you know, because um, two things are always operating in, in any stuff. It's, it's. You know how how well you're doing in the work itself, and it's what the world is interested in in, in that moment, mm-hmm. um, and that's the part you can't control. You mm-hmm. know whether they want that or they they don't want that. Oh yeah, I mean musicians talk about it all the time. It's very common to talk the sophomore slump 
Um, that's yes. second record. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the yeah. same. I mean, it's all parallel. Um, all right. So then you say 13 years happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you release the third book. Yes. Are, yes. are you doing I, short story? Are you doing any, are you a one project at a time no, one I, writer? I was doing short stories. And one peculiarity of that time is I actually sold a short story to, to the New Yorker, which is oh, everybody's wow. dream. Yeah, um, I got, I'm I waiting still, for the next I, rejection. <laughs> right, yeah, they, they give very nice rejections, but I still couldn't get a book published. That wasn't, you know, you think, oh, everything will change if that happens. And it didn't. But a couple of things happened during those 13 years, which, which I, you know, other things were not going well in my life either. But I did two things. You know, you realize, oh, this thing I'm running on isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to work for the rest of my life, you know, so I better think of something else. So I did two things that were very important for me in, in a large sense. One, just to kind of get out of, well, both things were to get out of myself. I became, I wanted to do some sort of volunteer work, so I was a buddy for gay men's health crisis, and it was in the 90s, so AIDS was still raging. Yeah. Um, and I ended up doing that for 17 years. That was a significant part of my life. And also during that time, I started getting interested in 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 Buddhist thinking. I would not say I am a Buddhist. I, I'm not a practitioner. I, I don't really meditate. But the ideas of it were very important to me and still are. Um, so I really changed during, you know, in, in a lot of ways during those 13 years. And I published um, a couple of books right away that were kind of older, you know, when they finally wanted me. Um, I had a book of stor- short stories, and then I had a novel. And then... The book after that was Ideas of Heaven, which is um, linked stories. And that became the form of my later life. I mean, the novels that I write now are maybe one step away from being linked stories. They're still mm-hmm. that same form. And I feel that I've done my best work in that form, that I really came to it out of that earlier era of, you know, doing my best but not quite knowing what I was doing. And now I really, you know, I'm more sure-footed in what I'm doing now. Um, do you find, I mean, looking back on it now, are you able to differentiate the writer you are between long-form fiction and the writer you are between shorter fiction? I mean, do you have to kind of separate the two? I mean, because I, I started writing short stories fairly recently, and I find it's much more difficult, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, um, and everyone I've talked to has kind of said the same thing that they've always, not that it's a struggle, but it, it's a different form. Um, did you have to kind of teach yourself how to differentiate between the two or was there someone helping you along the way? Or, I mean, an editor or things like that? Um, I, I, I had friends reading, but I don't, there's not a single editor who, who was crucial to me. Um, I did things backwards in that the first two things I published were novels and yeah. then I started and then I moved to stories, but I really, um, uh, I what I wanted from uh, one of the stories I published. I published a book called In My Other Life. That it was one of the first things that got published after this long spell of time. And w- one of I, I like those stories. I mean, they're they're a lot of them are about the sixties and seventies. Um, but I wanted to sort of pack them more. And in fact, a, f- a friend who read one of them and liked it said, "Joan, I love that story. That character's whole fucked up life is in that story." And I then began to want to compress time in stories. Um, Alice Munro was a great inspiration to me because, you know, her stories really have deep pockets, you mm-hmm. know, they, they, and the way they move through time. And I really, um, my resistance to this story was, oh, I don't want to write about one scene where a character's life changes. Now, 
great stories have been written that way, but I was not the person who was going to write them. I had, I had other things to do. And you realized that though, right? You weren't yeah. going to try to yeah. force yourself to do something you didn't think you were going to be able to do. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so I, I talked to Nathan Englander and he said, um, he kind of had the opposite thing. Well, a lot of, like you said, you did it backwards. So a lot of yeah. authors, right. They start with a short story and then kind of go. Um, and he said he was, he was having a thing where he was writing some stories that he felt should be longer. And he uh, was having this, you know what I mean? He, and yeah, I, not yeah. to name drop, but I'm, I'm name dropping two people. He said he had a conversation with Philip Roth, whatever, oh. um, who came up to him and one of his novels was originally a short story that he was like, this should be longer and yada, yada, yada. It kind of went on that way. Did you ever have any of those stories where you thought they were, they could be longer? Or did you really kind of just want to truncate them all? Um, I, I did the opposite thing. I had one novel that I could not sell. Yeah. Um, and I made a short story out of it. Ah. Um, and it was like making a hanky out of a curtain or something like that, you know? Um, but, it, but I think it, I think it, you know, it was better as a story, you know, the, the, the parts where I didn't know what I was, where I was going or what I was doing were, were out of it. The original yeah. idea was longer, you know? Um, I mean, again, going the short story thing, I'm so new to it and it seems like you you're pretty entrenched in it. Um, yeah. any reader for the readers out there, I mean, any kind of collections you could think of? I mean, we, we, you always think of like John Cheever. Um, you know, I, I talk about Dennis Johnson, uh, Jesus' son that I just read recently. Yeah. Are there any collections of short stories that you're a big fan of? Um, I, I, you know, I love Julia Phillips' novel, which is also a, a, a book of stories. I I'm 20 pages, no spo- I'm 20 <laughs> pages away from fin- I'm looking at it oh, right it's now. It's really they're, they're about to get in the car to, at the very end. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Um, the, the, the writers who are most important to me are, are not obscure. I mean, they were Chekhov and Alice Munro. Um, but I, I, I'm always reading and always sort of um, uh, thrilled by writers. I love Charles Baxter's writing. I think he's really wonderful. He's a friend. Um, Andrea Barrett, also long, um, you know, highly detailed historic stories about the history of science that are just fabulous. Really? So those are writers I'd recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you, you you've been at it for a long time at this point i i ask everyone this and you know correct me if i'm wrong you you said that 13 year period do you deal with or were you ever dealing with any doubt you know i'm not i don't don't like i don't like the the term writer's block i i don't personally believe in it yeah Um, but are you a routine kind of person how do you you know you said you couldn't get some things published i mean what made you not want to give up i didn't want there was a, a period rejection that, sucks <laughs> yeah 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 no nobody nobody has anything good thing i understood that i had to find a way to live independent of what what the outside world was saying to me um i certainly did think of giving it up for, forever um it was sort of like saying i'm gonna go eat worms though i you know it, it, it wasn't something i was really gonna do i thought that i would stop teaching because it was sort of painful to teach people how to write and they hoped to get published and I couldn't get published. So I, one of the ideas I had, which was a perfectly good idea was um, I would become an interpreter for, for, for the deaf. You know, I would do, I would teach American sign language. You know, I would, I would be, I would be one of those people who look so fabulous on stage doing the ASL, you know, stuff. They, they just look, and I was terrible. I took a course and I was terrible at it. I'm okay in languages, but I'm not very visual. So I was, I was the, you know, the dodo in the class. Um, so there went that. So I have lots of, you know, 
I'll try this, I'll try that ideas, but I didn't really stop writing. I, mm-hmm. I did mostly do it all the time. Although people would meet me on this. Uh, I, I ran into Francine Prose, who's an old friend, and she said, are you still writing? And I was just wounded, you know? It was a perfectly legitimate question. I haven't seen anything in years and years, you know? Yeah. So, uh, But I did keep going. And also through the things, through working with people who were very ill through gay men's health crisis and trying to learn about Buddhism, I mean, you start to think, well, this isn't the whole story, is it? You know, the world does not not rest on whether I get published or not. So that was very, and I try and keep hold of that because, I mean, I have, you know, I have, in some ways I have what I want now, right? I've had success, I'm happy, but but it could always be different the next time. They could suddenly decide, oh, we don't like this kind of story anymore. So you have to, I mean, you have to have something in yourself so that you can live with that because, um, you know, it's, the world is never secure. You're, you're never going to be free of that possibility. I want to go back to what you said at the beginning of that, where you f- thought it was odd to be teaching students about getting published when yes. you're not getting published yourself. Um, you, don't, you don't have to dive too deep into that specifically, but I've asked this question of other teachers. Did you ever find, like, inspiration from teaching? Oh, yeah. y- oh, yeah. You know, so, like, in the sense of, you know, I don't know if you, if you were doing a workshop kind of thing with your students or not, but you know, even reading bad writing, was it inspiring to, you know, when you were going home at five o'clock or whenever you were writing, I mean, you know, having a, a long day at school and coming home and working with that in your head. Yes. I would say, I mean, <laughs> short answer. Yes. Um, I had wonderful students, first of all. So just the contact with them was fine. I was teaching mostly workshops every so often, a, a, what we call a craft class, you know, where I'd be teaching literature I loved. Um, and I taught undergrads and then I started teaching more grad students. Um, I, but I always say I learned how to write stories from teaching them. I mean, I did come in as someone, I don't have an MFA myself. I have a, an, an MA in literature. So I, I don't have... Although I took some, you, you know, is that something that still bothers you? No, it doesn't bother <laughs> okay, me. Okay, okay, okay. And nobody cares either. No but, one cares. Um, yeah. uh, but I didn't. I didn't have the kind of training that people have now. And also, I would say the earlier days of teaching writing, it was a little more. People were teaching by the seat of their pants. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They weren't exactly. It, it wasn't codified. Um, but I, when I would look at student stories, you know, you have to sort of find a way to articulate what you think is missing from the story or what, you know. So I learned a lot about story shape from having to, to, having to articulate to students what I saw in their work. Um, I would say my own way of teaching ended up being not corrective so much as, as just telling people what I saw in it. I, I don't like the idea that you're like whooping people into line. Um, no, I loved teaching. I just, I just stopped teaching at Sarah Lawrence. I'm officially retired now. And I still Mazel, teach. congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I still teach at um, Warren Wilson. So I, I, I have some need to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll ask an, an obvious question. I mean, obviously you've won numerous awards and obviously congratulations, amazing things. You know, what's that experience like? I mean, you know, I feel like some people think, I certainly thought you win a Pulitzer Prize or whatever. And next, you know, you sell a million books and now you're Stephen King or whatever. It, it doesn't work that way. What's been your experience with these awards? I mean, is one different than the other? Has you know? Does it really affect book sales when you have that nice shiny little silver thing on the? You know, what's your experience with all of that? Uh, my experience is nothing but good. Certainly, 
Um, the first, the most crucial one for me was the one when they nominated us five women. Yeah. Um, because that was I the really, National Book Award. That was the National Book Award. And, and that was all of a sudden I was getting a kind of attention. Uh, also, we probably got more attention because we were such an oddball story. Mm-hmm. Some of it hostile, but still, we, you know, we, um, we had it. So that was startling. And in fact, when the guy called me, I thought he was calling me about something else, you know, like, oh, they're calling me because they want me to judge something or do some work or something. I mean, I was just really stunned. Um, but people um, people say, oh, what's the difference? And I always say people are nicer to me now. Um, it isn't that people were mean to me before, but all writers know you're acting as if you're very dismissible. And now, you know, people will at least listen to me. And also people understood better what I was doing. They didn't think it was a mistake. I really wanted to write something else. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is a failed attempt at this. It's sort of like, well, this is what she does. So I love I love that. Um, I would also say that, because the last book won two awards, which I never expected. And I always think it's sort of like when you're young, you think, oh, if I only got that, I'd never be unhappy again. And in my case, it's sort of true. Mm-hmm. I haven't, um, uh, you know, it's not like I'm happy every minute. I mean, but... Uh, I'm basically positive in what I think about things since, I mean, it really did have a deep effect on me. Uh, um, So, um, you know, it's important and wonderful. I I think my sales are still not, I I never remember what they are and I can never really read the charts. I don't think they're, I don't think they're earth shaking, Um, um, but they're wonderful for me. You know, Mm. they're they're more than I ever expected. Yeah. um, Yeah. Can I ask the question, If that ha- are you happy that happened later on in your career as opposed to right at the beginning? I mean, if that first book had massive success, because yeah. um, you know, I talked to you know Janet Fitch, and yeah. you know, one of the highlights of that episode was when she talked about after White Oleander, and she, you know, she said she was fucked up for three years. And oh. like, yeah, if you listen to the episode, she talks about that, and you know, she was struggling with that. Um, she's pretty open about talking about that. Are you kind of happy it happened later on in your career, you know, this success and sense? Um, I feel that I've done my best work. I feel like the last five books, which are the beginning of this particular form that I do, are my best work. So in that sense, I feel like it couldn't be any different. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, um, I didn't, it's not like, oh, they should have noticed those other things. The other things are fine, but my best work is now. Yeah. So... Um, and it's kind of a nice trajectory to have in your life to be peaking <laughs> later on. You know, that's been okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the stock market. You just wanted steady rises. You just wanted to go like that. Yes. Um, so, I mean, all, you know, now are, are you, the, do you do the same routine? Do you write at the same time? I mean, how, how has it changed over the years, your actual technique of writing? Um, when I was a young writer, I used to work at night, but that, you know, I used to write from like 10 to two in the morning, chain yeah. smoking, but that, you know, you outlive that. Are we, are we still a smoker? I'm an ex-smoker. No, <laughs> no I'm, I'm, I'm very ex. <laughs> yes. Ten, ten years for me. Ten years. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's probably 35 for me. It's a while, it's a while ago. Um, but um, I now, I mostly write in, the, for, for most of my writing life, I have written in the afternoon, which is also oddball because lots of people like to write in the morning. Um, I write between lunch and dinner, but I would say I, I had, you know, I finished lunch a while, a while ago by the time I started. It's, it's two or three, and I'm, so I'm writing between like three and seven as my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and people sort of know when not, not to call me then or I just don't answer the phone. Um, but that's pretty steady. Every um, day? 
not every single day, uh-huh. you know, the interruptions, but there'll be other things that, um, but maybe five days a week, some four or five days a week. So, so um, the, the idea of almost every day, I mean, you're trying to do yeah, it. Yeah. You, yeah. I sit down and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm also um, an oddball, and then I revise as I go. Mm. Nobody else does that, but I'm redoing the sentences at mm-hmm. least as I go. And so you're not you're not treating it as a single draft, and then the next yeah. draft. Okay, okay. So it's just always a working. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I talked to some authors, and uh, you know, I, I'm I don't know if it's you know type A personality. I don't know what it is, but I, I need to write between seven and eight thirty every morning, or that's my thing. And I, it's not even a word count thing. It's just more about getting there, doing the work, doing it. Um, but yeah, I talked to some authors, and they're like. I don't have to fucking write every day. They're like, I don't write for three weeks. And I'm like, okay. But then they write for, you know, 24 hours straight, blackout curtains, cell phone. So it's, you know, I I always ask that because everyone has so many different ways of doing it. Um, But there's no wrong way of doing it as long as you're doing the work, right? And you're feeling, even on the bad days, as long as you sit down and you actually do it. Oh, absolutely. You have to. I think it took me a while to... um, uh, to kind of decide that my way of doing it, revising as I go was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was always going to, I always thought if I only did it the other way, you know, then, then I would be okay. Um, and now I'm sort of settled with that. And my pace of writing is sort of the same as everybody's. I'm, I'm not speedy, but I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. And with the book world, as opposed to the music world, I mean, you know, musicians, a band can release a record and you know, that record can last them their whole career. I mean, they can live off the tailwinds of that album for 30 years, like a Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, with authors, it, it's I'm learning. It seems to be, you know, it's pretty quick. I mean, you're only as good as that last yeah. year's thing. Yeah. You got to, like you said, I mean, you know, people were stopping you in the street and asking you, are you still writing? You know, I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a crazy thing. Um, It's a crazy thing. Well, Joe, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm happy you took the time to talk to us. I always kind of ask a couple of quick questions at the end. Um, Number one, where do people buy your books from? What's your favorite oh. bookstore? Oh, well, I get books online through bookshop.org. Um, and, um, and they support all the indie bookstores, right? And they support all the indie bookstores, so that's good. And they work fine. They can always get whatever book you want. Yeah. So I would recommend them most. Um, otherwise, McNally Jackson is my local bookstore. Okay. We'll, we'll give a shout out to them. And we always love Green Apple Books in San Francisco. Yes. Um, are, do you do social media? Are you on Twitter? Are you on Instagram? Anything like that? Um, I'm on Facebook. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, well, we'll provide the link to that. And that's really much it, Joan. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it immensely. Thank you. Most definitely. I mean, enjoy the New York winter that is coming upon you. And I will will enjoy the San Francisco everyday weather. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky you. All right, I'll see you later, Joan. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.